Hello, welcome back to a mom with a mic podcast. My name is Whitney. I am a wife, a mother, a content creator, and you know, the main purpose of this podcast is to not only encourage moms and parents out there, it's to also educate as well. And for those of you who don't know, I graduated from the University of Central Florida. And one thing that makes the college experience so worthwhile is that you make connections with a lot of different people. And coming off of my social media episode, um, it allows you to a certain extent to stay connected to people who you used to know. And that is how I know my guest today. Uh, We met in college and I cannot believe that it's going to be almost 10 years since I graduated college, (laughs) but um, we're going to just kind of get into a topic today. And so I want to give her a chance to introduce herself and let her know a little, I mean, let you all know a little bit about who she is and what she does. So all right. Thanks for having me, first of all. And I can't believe it's already been 10 years or more since we graduated. Yes, it is amazing. Like, I mean, time really flies. <laughs> like, it really does. Yes. But to start, my name is Candace Skinner, and I am a mom, a wife, and a school psychologist. And as a school psychologist, I work to diagnose, intervene, and educate families and educators on a variety of childhood developmental delays and mental health disorders. Okay, awesome. And how long have you been in that field? Is that what you graduated with? I actually graduated in undergrad. I specialized in psychology, and then I went to graduate school for school psychology. Okay, and how long have you been doing that? This is my seventh year in the field, so it went by quickly. Yes, oh my goodness. And what, what kind of led you to become, I guess, specifically a school psychologist? Because I know there's a lot of different routes you can take when it comes to psychology. Right, so, right. So uh, what kind of motivated you to become a school psychologist? Yeah, so I knew from an early age that I would enter a career that involved working with children. Um, I used to set up my little, well, going back to my elementary school years, I would set up my room with my dolls and my teddy bears because I thought I would become a teacher initially. Wow. And that's when I fell in love with the field of education. So school psychology kind of bridged my love for education and psychology. It allowed me to work with children. It allowed me to address some of the concerns that they experience. And then it allowed me to work in a school setting to specialize and meet the needs of children who may not have access to mental health support outside of a school setting. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's that's interesting because I am a teacher by trade. I did elementary education and, you know, my time in the schools, you really don't hear a lot about the school psychologists until, you know, God forbid, but something happens and, you know, they recommend students seeing them and things like that. But you all have such a important behind the scenes role. And so I'm really kind of looking forward to getting to know, you know, what it is that that parents should really know about what you do and what they can do as well. So, you know, for the parents, they, of course, they see their children a lot more so than a school psychologist. Mm -hmm. And so a parent's role early on, um, and I'll let you kind of give everybody like an age range as far as the early on timeframe, what are some signs and behaviors that would indicate a need to seek professional help from someone in your field? Yeah, so school psychologists, we specialize in the whole developmental lifespan from birth through the age of 21. 
So in oh, the early, wow. yeah, <laughs> some people specialize in the pediatrics, some are more, fo- more focused on the school age. So it varies. It's broad. Mm-hmm. But in the early years, we encourage parents to be mindful or be aware of their child's developmental milestones. So if they, what they notice that if their child is learning or developing at a slower pace than other kids that are the same age of their child, then that's when some red flags or some alarm should go off in their head. So if they're unsure if it's a true concern, they can consult with a pediatrician because they have those regular appointments where they have the screeners for their children in the early years. Mm-hmm. And the parents can also monitor the five areas of a child's development, and that's communication, a social and emotional skills, their cognitive development, their fine and gross motor skills. But some of the typical delays that we see are more so in the area of communication. So okay. where the child may present with a limited vocabulary, they may have difficulty articulating or they may have some difficulty in some receptive skills where they don't understand what you are trying to communicate for, to them. Mm-hmm. And then parents should also look to a child's social skills. Do they demonstrate an interest in you as their caregiver? Are they making appropriate eye contact with you? You know, when you look at your baby, are they looking at you eagerly? Right. Do they respond to their name when it's called? So, um, those are just a few signs that parents should look for in the early years. Mm-hmm. And, and so then, like... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, so like around, like, let's just take one of those examples as far as um, recognizing their name. Mm-hmm. So at what point, you know, do you say, hmm, they're still not recognizing their name. Let me reach out to someone. Right. So if you remember when we go to the pediatrics office, every single, I think it's month we go, it's been, I guess, two years old now, mm-hmm. so I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly. But yeah. I'll give you a checklist of things to keep in mind and follow along on that particular stage of development. Mm-hmm. So we want to kind of monitor that closely and make sure that they're meeting those at an appropriate time frame. Okay. So like those like six months, nine months, right, uh, correct. 12 month checkups, that's what you're, okay, right, gotcha. right. But you know, but sometimes like kids are like, they're, they're not necessarily um, going down that path, mm-hmm. but they just might be a little bit late, like the growth curve or like the, the learning curve or whatever. I'm not really sure the, the technical term for it. But um, so when I bring my kids to the doctor and they say, oh, she's on the curve. Mm-hmm. So she may either be at the low end or the high end, but as long as they're on the curve, it's Right. Okay. That's correct. Right. Okay. So is that you guys follow something like that as well? Is that right. Kind of- and okay. if they're outside of that time frame, that's when mm-hmm. we want to, you know, make sure, be more so proactive and mm-hmm. allow them to get some help. Mm-hmm. And then okay. by the time they're in the school age years, when they're in kindergarten through 12th grade, mm-hmm. the parents tend to have a lot more broader concerns. Um, they tend to have concerns if their child is having problems learning. Um, they might have some difficulty with anxiety, some noted fears, depression, um, difficulty managing their emotions or just some overall behavioral concerns. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I, I, I really do want to touch on that. Do you, you and I had a, a short discussion about it um, when it comes to minority communities, specifically black families and their lower likelihood of them utilizing available resources. So the first thing I would like to ask is what are, some of the resources that are available to all parents and why do you think that uh, minority communities utilize these resources less? 
Yeah, so the resources are provided. It's actually a government-funded program called Early Intervention Services. And that's available from the infant and toddler years when they're demonstrating some developmental delays. And families can access that easily through a quick Google search. They can type in early intervention, followed by their state or county, and then their appropriate or respective website will come up. Okay. But the reason why, there's a variety of reasons why uh, the services tend to be underutilized. Um, where we tend to see the most needs are in Black and Latino families from low socioeconomic backgrounds. So mm -hmm. what we have to keep in mind is that when families are in poverty, they may be facing a variety of social, financial stressors. They may be working multiple jobs to make ends meet. So time is literally money. Mm -hmm. And what we don't realize when we're not going through those situations is that that is a privilege to access those resources and have the time to take our children to these appointments. Mm -hmm. When right. they're in poverty, using that time to bring your child to that appointment is taken away from money that could go towards the family's provisions. Mm. And that's not something we readily take into consideration. Mm -hmm. And then to further compound the problem, there also tends to be a lack of awareness in our community as to what's appropriate for each stage of development. Um, sometimes there's a perception, like we were talking about, that children will grow out of what they are currently experiencing. Yes. So we have to be reasonable about that time frame or about that expectation, because children do develop at, a, at their own pace. But again, we have to be reasonable about that time frame. I would I actually I don't know if, if you can or not, but I really would like to expound on that. What you just mentioned is how a lot of times we tend to think that our children will just grow out of a certain stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, is there any way that you can kind of like expand on that? Because I think that's really important because I do. I remember so often growing up, you know, um, hearing things like, oh, it's just a stage or, oh, they'll grow out of it or, or it'll get better over time. And and then you get to the point where they're like 15, 16, and then it's kind of like certain problems never were resolved or, you know, treated. And, and then it turns into other issues. Is that something that can happen? Yeah. So you're actually touching on a really heavy subject because within our community, um, there tends to be a lack of trust towards healthcare providers or mental health providers. So we tend to rely on more so what our neighbors or our aunt and grandma have to say. And we know a lot of that is rooted into a lot of the systems in this country, right. um, but that's a whole nother topic. So we're not right. going down that path. <laughs> The, the lack of trust is understandable, but right. yeah. <laughs> but it does impact us long-term. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. And and I, I hate that that's the case because, you know, it's so important that as parents that we understand the importance of healthcare, the importance of interventions and early interventions. And, you know, I like I said, I do understand why there would be a lack of trust, but you know, certain times I, I always like to, to say, you know, these people, you have to find the provider who you can trust, find the provider who you feel is listening to your needs and your concerns. And I think, um, I feel like as a parent, you know, that's kind of what I'm going for as far as making sure that my kids are given the best opportunities. So as a mom, cause you, you know, you're a mom, um, do you feel like, 
I don't know how I want to word this question, but you know, do you do you feel like as a psychologist that you're, I guess, better equipped to look out for you know certain things in your own child? I feel like it hurts me in some regards because I overanalyze everything. Okay, um, I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a psychologist, but I feel like I'm analyzing like everything. Well, that makes me feel a lot better as well. <laughs> yes, because I I feel like you know like my mom, she was a nurse, and so you know she also worked in in clinical nursing before mm-hmm. as well, and like. I remember a lot of the things that she used to say and I know how important certain things are. So every little thing, I'm like, is she okay? Is she, hmm, do we right. need to get this checked out? I'm like, is this normal four-year-old behavior? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, just last week I was mentioning to my husband, um, is Abigail's speech a little bit delayed? And then I went, I was like, let me talk to her, um, her teacher. And when I spoke to the teacher, she was like, no, she's actually a little advanced for her age. But because she's not articulating at a certain level, which I guess my expectations are higher, mm. then I thought maybe, you know, maybe we should get out, seek out some speech services for her. They're like, no, it's not necessary. Yeah, I'm the same way, I think. And I hate that it's like this for us, like, because I'm just like, I, I feel like my expectations are so high and I'm not giving my kids enough grace to right. be, you know, be in the developmental stage that you're in. Like, I don't need you to be on a 10th grade reading right. level. Exactly. <laughs> Cause I feel, I find myself doing that cause I know I was advanced as a child and, mm-hmm. and I can't like, I can't kind of project that onto my kids. It's like, you're going to learn at your own pace. Exactly. You're going to be fine. Cause I do find my Myself, like looking over her shoulder while she's doing ABC yes. like you better get this right <laughs> but it's so but, hard yes it is so hard but I do want to share with everybody you know what are the benefits of seeking help as opposed to not seeking help because you know a lot of times we, we push to the side or we say oh it'll be fine but let's kind of talk about how beneficial it can be to get that that help that they may need Yeah, so the earlier that we identify the concern, the better a child's uh, long-term outcome will be. So, for instance, earlier I was discussing that a typical delay is in uh, communication, right? Mm -hmm. So if a parent were to bring in a two- or three-year-old for services or for support, they're at a stage of development where both them and their peers are still building much of their vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So they have a lower frustration tolerance. So we can put in some services, provide them with the necessary speech support that they that, that they need at that particular time. Okay. But if we sit on the concern, say until they're about five or six years old, that's when we're going to see the problems begin to build. Because mm-hmm. at five or six, a child is at a very social age of development. Mm-hmm. They want to actively engage with their peers, communicate their needs. Um, so we see they may begin to act out ber- ber- uh, behaviorally because they cannot communicate their, their needs effectively. Um, their academic performance may be impacted because we know speech and language is necessary for reading, writing, and math skills. Right. So just overall, a child's long-term outcomes will be improved if we seek services early. Okay. And that's, you know, that's so important. And I do have one, I guess it's more of a personal question, mm-hmm. um, not to my kids or anything like that, but um, I think a lot of parents, especially the ones with preschool aged kids, um, 
and the you know staying at home and not really being able to socialize as much mm-hmm. how how do you feel as a professional like is this is it something that are there things that we can do at home to continue to encourage these types of development or um do you do you think that there may be some some need for um I guess, uh, intervention later on because of the, the pandemic situation and what's going on. Cause I know kids are resilient. So I do. Keep that right. In mind. But truthfully, kids don't need to go seek outside social interaction. Like in our society, we tend to prefer it, but they can get what they need from their parents and just watching us interact in the early and preschool years. Um, we have several children who just stay home until they start kindergarten and they function beautifully and uh, develop their social skills and social relationships starting in kindergarten. So I think a lot of the pressures are more so societal and Mm -hmm. for us as parents putting that pressure on. So in the early years with our kids staying home in this pandemic, they will be fine. Okay. That actually makes me feel a little bit better because I was just so concerned that, you know, because my daughter is very, very social. She mm-hmm. loves to be outside. She loves to play. And I'm like, yeah, you're not really getting a lot of that these days. I hope right. it doesn't like, make you antisocial or oh, no. want to play anymore. But no, she will I, be fine. <laughs> awesome. So I appreciate it. I know, you know, it, it's not always easy, but. Don't overanalyze your kids, but also be on the lookout for things that um, may need some extra support because as parents, we are protective. We want to make, you know, we want to do the best for our kids. And so, and some of that may include getting them the things that they need. So uh, Candace, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to share your expertise and um, kind of letting everybody know what they have available. And I appreciate you coming on here. Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Whitney. Absolutely. And I will leave um, your information. You guys, she posts some awesome content on her page, uh, The Curly Psych. Is that what it That's is? That's correct. The Curly yeah. Psych. Okay. <laughs> It's awesome. I'll leave it in the description as well for you all to check that out. But again, thank you all so much for tuning into a mom with a mic.